Listen, there's a great work to be done. As soon as you win this court battle, you must deliver this message. Take advantage of this opportunity and declare a powerful message to this world. He expects more of us. He believes we can do more. Who's going to stop Christ? Who's going to stop Christ from getting this work done? This is Behind the Work. Welcome to Behind the Work. I'm Grant Turgeon. God's work is often tasked with completing mission impossible. Notice Matthew 24, verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. We have plenty of literature at thetrumpet.com that proves to you what man fulfilled this role. His name was Herbert W. Armstrong. And the work God did through him in the 20th century literally started with just him. And he had to go to the very limits of his ability, of his time and energy to actually be able to fulfill this. Preaching around the entire world the good news of the coming kingdom of God. What a daunting task. Now, here is a quote from what I think is the very first co-worker letter Mr. Armstrong ever wrote, December 20th, 1934. He, he writes, I have been preaching nine times a week besides editing and printing the plain truth praying for the sick, giving private Bible studies. I am giving of my time and strength to the very limit for God. Will you stand with me? Will you help now? Now, I've been trying to picture how it was possible for him to preach nine times a week. You can read his autobiography, and get a free copy at thetrumpet.com. And you will notice that he did drive all over the Pacific Northwest during these early days. He would, he would preach in the morning on the radio and then drive many hours and deliver a, a personal appearance lecture under a tent <laughs> that same day. So that's really how he had to do it. He literally had to preach more than once a day, obviously, to get to doing it nine times a week. But that really is just an unfathomable amount of speaking, of teaching, of serving others and helping all the time, making it his entire life. And of course, the reason why is because God directed his life into this lifelong service. Every time Mr. Armstrong tried to do his own thing, start up his own business that really should have worked out for him, it inexplicably collapsed. And it was as if God kept on humbling him, kept on turning him back into doing God's work. But obviously, one man all by himself cannot deliver the gospel message around the entire world. Notice 
another commission given to one man in this end time after Mr. Armstrong. This is Revelation 10, verse 11. And he said unto me, you must prophesy again before many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. Yet again, another mission impossible for one man to accomplish. This time, speaking of Mr. Gerald Flurry, the pastor general of the Philadelphia Church of God. God always works through one man. And when one man is gone, God has to use another. But how is it possible for such a massive job to be completed? In that quote from Mr. Armstrong, he does give an indication. Remember, he said, will you stand with me? Will you help now? Mr. Armstrong needed help. Mr. Flurry today needs help. Notice this quote from the coworker letter. Again, this is December 20th, 1934 by Mr. Armstrong. But there is one fact I want you to realize. It has been said that if a minister would dare to stand before his congregation and preach the plain truth of the Bible, he would not have a dozen members left. <laughs> That's a, just a, an incredible point. Obviously, if you go to the church on the corner, you're not going to hear a whole lot of strong correction because the people who show up there are not going to listen to it. In that way, it makes the preacher accountable to the audience more than he is accountable to God. The preacher has to adjust his message so that people will actually stick around and listen. Mr. Armstrong quotes from 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Now, a lot of this... <laughs> a lot of this value in the Bible is not what we would want to read. It's not what we would want to be told about. Reproof and correction, those are pretty much the two last things we ever want to hear. We don't want to be reproved, jolted back on the right track by correction. We don't want to examine ourselves and, and be forced to make changes. And yet, if a man speaks for God, he has to tell the reproof and the correction. He has to point out those parts of the Bible too. The Bible is a book of law, regardless of what traditional Christianity would say. And there is a decent amount of correction in there for us. And a man who speaks for God is going to speak from the entire book, the entire Bible. And he will care only what God thinks. 
2 Timothy 4, verse 2 says, Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Well, that is what a minister of God is supposed to do. That is what God's man is supposed to do. And yet, how many people really are receptive to the plain truth of the Bible? How many people actually want to get behind and support a message like that? Now, since most people don't want to support a message like that, doesn't that make the mission of God's work even more impossible? How in the world are we supposed to deliver a message around the world, a message about all types of peoples, a message that exposes what is really happening on the world scene and within God's own church, a message that tells people to repent How are we supposed to do that work when so few people are actually willing to support such a message? Mr. Armstrong continues, we have dared to preach the truth. We have not minced words nor toned down the word of God, and but few will support such preaching. Yet, we have found a peculiar paradox. We have learned that people will listen over the radio to the straight truth that would cause them to get up and walk out if their own ministers preached it in their own church. They will listen over the radio, but they will not support such preaching. We cut ourselves off totally from their financial support. Yet they listen. And do you know there are millions over the United States who will never listen to the last gospel warning in any way except over the radio. They can be reached by radio and by radio alone. You see, that is the paradox. God's work does have an interest-grabbing attention gripping message it is something that people want to listen to they want to read this message they want to hear this message they want to watch this message but most of them will not want to support it the philadelphia trumpet news magazine is an example of this. The subscriber total, the subscriber count of the Philadelphia Trumpet is around 225,000. And yet the vast majority of them maybe are just casual readers. And that's fine. God doesn't necessarily expect everyone to be more than casual readers right now. But Where does the support come from? How does this work actually get done when so few people are actually willing to support this kind of a message? It is a message of good news about the coming kingdom of God, but the problem is there is also the corrective aspect 
There is also the, the reality of the bad news that comes before the good news in prophecy. And a lot of people, obviously, though they might like to hear it, maybe that's about it. Maybe they don't want to do anything else about it. Notice Ezekiel 33, verses 31 and 32. And they come unto you as the people comes, and they sit before you as my people, and they hear your words, but they will not do them. For with their mouth they show much love, but their heart goes after their covetousness. And lo, you are unto them as a very lovely song of one that has a pleasant voice and can play well on an instrument. For they hear your words, but they do them not. And that's fine. Not everyone is going to make major life changes based on hearing this message from God's work. But yet the message still must go out. And there still has to be support. Romans 2 Verse 13 says, For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. God's work needs doers. It has plenty of listeners, plenty of readers, but it also needs supporters. It needs people who will sacrifice, who will give, who will make changes, who will do, who will pray. It needs people who will take action. Mr. Armstrong appealed directly for help in getting this message out. The number of listeners and readers is large. The number of supporters is small. And people ask all the time, how did you possibly build Armstrong Auditorium? How do you have this campus? How do you have a plane? How do you have all these quality publications and books and booklets? How are you getting all this done? How is your TV program on so many stations? How is this happening when your membership is around 4,000 or 5,000 worldwide? Where does the money come from? How is this possible? And you have to realize the dedication of the few. There are supporters, perhaps you are one, who really do make it all possible, who really go above and beyond, just like Mr. Armstrong asked. And it really is an incredible sacrifice. And there is no greater, more important work to support. Luke 12, verse 32 says, fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. God's church was prophesied to be relatively quite small. There are churches out there with millions or even billions of adherents. And yet God's church today is only four or 5,000. It is a little flock driven by the coming kingdom, motivated every day by receiving the kingdom from our Father. 
This is just an incredible, miraculous work. And it does need dedicated support. How, how more, how much more motivated could we possibly be? Is there more we could possibly do? Do we have the vision of the coming kingdom? Do we understand the life-changing, miraculous power of God's message going out there? Reaching into hearts and minds and changing people's lives. Ezekiel chapter 3 talks about God's work being a warning. It is an alarm. It's a trumpet of war specifically done through one man, but that man needs support for the message to really be amplified and be heard. And there are life and death consequences for those of us who have been called into supporting this work. It must become who we are. We must get it done because... God is holding us accountable. Mr. Armstrong writes here in this coworker letter, again from December 20th, 1934. Dear friend, let us be fellow servants of God together. Alone, I am helpless and powerless. Your help is just as important. We'll receive just as much blessing from God as my part of the work. Do we think of it that way? Obviously, God does work through one man. There is a government structure. There are plenty of high-ranking ministers surrounding him as well. But everyone has a part to play. And Mr. Armstrong said, your part is just as important as his part. I mean, think, think about it. If, if one man is just out in the middle of a massive forest all by himself, he can yell and shout and scream as loud as he wants to. And no one's ever going to hear him. And what good does that really do? The message has to be supported. It can't be one man in total isolation. It never works that way in any realm, in any area of life, in any business. It's never just one man. One man always has a team of supporters around to make it all happen. Mr. Armstrong writes here, Think now of some of the material things you plan to buy. Then think of the stars in your crown that God will add for eternity if you will sacrifice it and use that money to get the pure gospel truth to this vast multitude. Now, I'm not trying to say we all have to uh, give a bunch more money or anything like that. It's, it's not really, that's not really the most important thing. But Mr. Armstrong at this time was really appealing for, for financial support because they were trying to expand onto radio in Portland. And they didn't even have the money yet. They were about to sign a contract for one year on the radio in Portland. And they had to have the money. 
as soon as possible. So in this specific case, Mr. Armstrong was appealing to supporters of the work for money. I'm not really trying to do the same thing here. That's just part of his quote. But Mr. Armstrong continues, it means all eternity for them. So for the people, the message can reach. Souls are at stake for all eternity. This is the message. This is the work we can support. Now, God is not on a soul-saving crusade right now. He's not trying to desperately battle with Satan to save all mankind today. There is timing to it. A lot of people will hear the message and enjoy it and not take action today. And that's okay because they will have another chance in the future. Today is not the only day of salvation. But what about those who do hear it today and do make a change? And what if some of that came down to your support? Specifically, most importantly, your prayers. Wouldn't it be awesome to meet someone who joined God's church as a result of your sacrifice and your effort? Mr. Armstrong wrote about how Christ is coming soon and we must act quickly. He talked about the need to sacrifice and he said, above all, I ask you to pray, pray, pray. Now, here's something we all can do. It's really as simple as just kneeling down and talking to our Father. That's something we all can do. That's by far the most important thing we can do to support God's work. Again, plenty of people listen. Plenty of people enjoy hearing the message. But they don't support it. And so for those few of us who do support it, we have to really carry a heavy load. We have to really make sure that our contributions make an impact. Mr. Armstrong again said that your part in the work is just as important as his. What an incredible statement. And if we really looked at it that way, it would probably change a lot about how we approached everything. What an honor to support this work and what an opportunity to go above and beyond to try to help get this message out. Thanks so much for listening today. I'm Grant Turgeon. This has been Behind the Work. You've been listening to Behind the Work. Email your thoughts to comments at kpcg.fm. Listen for a new episode each Monday at 12 p.m. Central Time. 